Hello everyone and welcome to That Was Genius. This is a funny history podcast by Tom Berry and Sam Datter, exploring little-known stories and corners of the past. We'll get to the history shortly, but first, a couple of minutes of what we ominously call, quote, witty banter, highlights of our pre-recording chat, which usually ends up being mostly toilet humour. It's been a while. Thank you for uh, delaying last week. Sold my place in London, and um, it was all happening very quickly in the end, suddenly. So I had to get down there and clear it out. Get down and dirty in Croydon. Down and dirty in Croydon town, yeah. Did you go and have one like that? Where was it you took me, that Brazilian meat feast? Uh, do you know what? I, I didn't. I decided that a Brazilian meat feast was uh, was not appropriate during COVID times. It's a cracking night no. out uh, if you like sodium. <laughs> and meat. And meat. And Brazilians. And Brazilian people. Yes. Uh, but right now, I like none of those things, Tom. I like sitting in front of a warming fire, imagining Boris, and smiling and humming Royal Britannia. <laughs> doing it for Britain. Imagine, imagining Boris. What's Boris doing when you imagine him? He's stuck on a zip. He's stuck sed- on a zip wire again. I thought, I thought he might be seductively dancing by the fire. Oh, no, he is. But like on a, a zip Bond wire. film start. <laughs> imagine on a zip imagine wire. pole dancing, Tom, but then cross it with tightrope walking and you... <laughs> This is definitely the start to a Bond film. <laughs> Silhouette of Boris Johnson s- coming down from the, <laughs> the ceiling. What's, Bor- what's Boris Johnson's first name going to be in a Bond film? Sucker. Sucker Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enormous, yeah. Max. Max Johnson. <laughs> Max Johnson's definitely with the CIA. <laughs> yeah, Max, yeah. Along with Dwyer Flunking. <laughs> Dwyer Flunking. <laughs> and Hank Wankington. Oh, there's a blast from the past. Audience, special prize if you can remember what that episode that was. Oh, dear. Yes, apologies, audience, for the week-long break. Home issues. Yeah, I think it was inevitable. I, Sam wasn't uh, pulling a fast one. He genuinely had a lot on his plate, so I think it's perfectly acceptable, No, I was Sam, pulling a long one. That you pulled out... <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were, yeah. That's why, pulling that's a long why I couldn't, one. Uh, couldn't turn up. Pulling a, pulling a long one, a dirty Brazilian. Indeed, indeed I was. Full of sodium. <laughs> a yeah. salty Brazilian, yes. Yeah. Woof. I don't know if that makes the cut audience, but um, it's Brazilian places, anyway. a Brazilian meat feast, all-you-can-eat restaurants in the, near where I used to live. And didn't you also tell me that a block of flats down your road was where they shot Peep yes, Show? Yes, I used to live on the same road as Mark's flat in Peep Show. External shots. Wow. Let's do an intro. Hello and welcome to episode 90, bloody nine, Tom, of That Was Genius, the little history podcast. 99, well, shove me in an ice cream and serve me to a little girl at the beach. (laughs) Careful, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Jimmy Savile, he's just cold. (laughs) (laughs) Too much, Mr. Whippy. Can't feel my toes. Oh, hello. <laughs> yes, hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom, over there, hello, shoved me. into an ice cream cone on the beach, and Sam, over here, very much not, discuss history stories on a theme each week. We decide the theme a week in advance, but everything else that happened is a surprise. And how are we celebrating episode 99, Tom? Noin and noinzig. By, by recording it a week late. Yes. <laughs> by having <laughs> by a having holiday. A bender. <laughs> Sam and I had a bender last week. We were too half cut to record, so uh, we've just delayed. <laughs> um, no, it's the seas. It is the and high more seas. specifically, Wales. If we could. Yes, I, I didn't. <laughs> didn't you not? Well, I did. I oh, found I've got some sharks crackers. at best. <laughs> Damn right. Oh, sharks. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sharks. <laughs> Who's the mammalian sea creature who circles surfers in Australia? Sharks. Sharks. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> who did the fans jump over in an episode of Happy Days in a phrase that became synonymous with a show taking things too far? Sharks. Shark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I had a really cruisy time this week. I found everything I could ever want in a topic within five minutes. I picked the first book Bloody I picked hell. off my shelf. I looked. I went straight to the back and I looked up Index Wales. Boom, first page, bosh, having that. Was this the... Uh, S- spread that on your toast. Encyclopedia Britannica. 
No, oh. that's to my right. This was. Let's see if I can see it. It was a book about. It was a book about coastal fables in the UK. Oh, that sounds like an excellent book. I've got some fucking crackers. When I picked up this whole <laughs> yeah, I load, know you do. <laughs> I have a pair of fucking crackers. Um, when I picked up this load of free books, I could not have got a better load of free books. Um, oh, so much historical stuff. It's genius. Lots of books about. Uh, fables and silly etymology stuff. Oh, brilliant. It's just like everything I could ever want for for this podcast. Fantastic. Uh, well, we'll have to wait for yours, Tom, because I think it's my turn to go first this week. I think you might well be right. Would you like me to do some audience feedback? Because I have been very diligent this week. Oh, good. Yes, this is kind of your bag now. Is it me? <laughs> yeah, well, after all, I don't have a full-time job <laughs> and no. a young daughter. Or, so it probably should And you be. don't edit a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's probably only fair. Um, right, we start with, we've got Robert, who says, Always love the show, guys. I've officially heard every public and patron episode now. Good work, Robert. Well nice. done. For the 100th episode... Tom hasn't even heard all the episodes. <laughs> no, yeah, that is true. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's fine, Sam. Publish it. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I only sent it to you three minutes ago. It's an hour-long episode. It's fine. It's fine. Just go ahead with it. I know you're going to leave my Indian accent in. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Just go And my it. Nelson Mandela impression and several jokes <laughs> about the Jews. I know they've all made it in. <laughs> I thought they've all made, so I'm good to go. Uh, for the 100th episode, this is the big number 100. Number 100 could be an interesting topic, suggests Robert. Anniversary, centenarians, the last 100 yes. years, something that happened 100 years ago. I'm well up for that. Something that happened 100 weeks ago. Yes, I'm well up for that. Days ago, hours ago. I think we should do, um, I think we should do 100 or a century for our 100th episode. I think we should keep it, let's keep it vague, because... Although that said, when we do something ridiculously specific, we usually come up with a good episode. I, th- I seem to remember the episode on dicks was a good one. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Let's do the number 100. Yeah, anyway. The number 100 He's got, is. He's given us a lot of other good suggestions. Indigenous peoples, nice. South America, nice. non-European explorers, uh, genocides. I think we've done that. We have done genocides, yes. That was a jolly episode. Uh, it was. I think I... Did I fuck it up with my Japanese... Atrocities story. I think I may <laughs> well. You certainly well. fucked it up with your Japanese accent. <laughs> <laughs> cultural, cultural genocide, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, leaders' lives after being exiled from their country. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, that's frightfully specific. Farms, bulls and bears, as in stock markety stuff. Weird lives of horror writers, origins of religions, and cartoons. Sorry for sending so many. I do not expect to hear any of them, but I thought a list of things in case you're searching for a topic may not be terrible. Uh, very Thank much you. appreciated. Uh, no, I think Some... two or three of those are very strong. Yes, which is a pretty poor <laughs> result, actually, considering the 20 that you sent, but well done for trying. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hey, we all know that if you throw eggs against a wall, sometimes one of them's going to survive. Sometimes you get an omelette. But enough monkeys <laughs> next to typewriters. And you end up with, that was genius, a funny history podcast. <laughs> Yeah, and if you've only got one monkey and one typewriter, you'll end up with... (laughs) That was genius. Um, (laughs) Uh, What did Charlie say? Charlie said, hey, just wanted to say that I love your podcast. It has literally helped me get through the last year with all these sodding lockdowns. It's been so nice to have something to laugh about and listen to you two. Reminds me of being down the pub with my mates, uh, which has been a much-needed tonic. So thank you. That's very kind of Charlie. I think, Charlie, welcome to being a patron as well. Welcome to the bath. Yes, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Don't clear your, clear your hair out of the plug, please, before you leave. <laughs> those uh, golden Michael... locks, those ringlets, we know they're yours. <laughs> and the gunk. I mean, I don't know what the gunk is that seems to bind it all together in the plug hole. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes. Michael from... Very usual for orange. It's a strange colour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a texture of Vaseline. <laughs> mixed with sand. Very, very weird. Yes, highly flammable too, which is odd. Yes. I, mean, I don't know what's odder, actually. <laughs> the gunk in the plug hole or the fact that we've performed so many experiments on it. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's been taken to a laboratory and systematically tested. The order of the bath after dark. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a Frankenstein's monster, haven't we, in the towel cupboard Ooh. that we've been making out of parts of the, <laughs> parts of the patrons. <laughs> oh, that's good. We, ne- we needed an extra toe clipping. <laughs> toenail clipping that's good slowly building him up <laughs> it's got lots of pubes <laughs> yes in fact in fact some would say almost entirely made of pubes <laughs> looks a little bit like brian may yes. actually currently i yes. think about it <laughs> resembles a 70s heartthrob <laughs> <laughs> 
We've got Michael from Seattle. Michael from Seattle mm. says, my girlfriend was hello, telling Michael. me how much... Hello, hello. Uh, my girlfriend was telling me about how in history class in high school, um, her history teacher did a badass of the week. And one of them was Peter the Great of Russia, who apparently had a fascination with midgets and an attempt to westernise Russia, sent a party of midgets and bears to Europe to learn how to westernise Russia. What if for a topic one week you did midgets of history? I'm a few beers deep at the moment at a local brewery, so this may not be the best idea, but I thought I'd pass it along before I forgot. <laughs> that is a great three beers deep idea, isn't it? Brilliant. I think he must have been on his own. <laughs> That's brilliant as well. He's gone to a brewery, got pissed on his own, got bored and decided to send us messages. That's what I'm reading into this. Um, regardless, good work, Michael. Good. Um, I mean, better us than one of your exes. <laughs> I think we could do short people. I think maybe if we go for midgets, that, that's borderline just laughing at disabled people. Uh, but, but if we did, um, yeah, if we did short people, I think we could do that. Couldn't we? Yes, say? and then we're just laughing at everyone who's short, whether it's a recognised disability or they're just unfortunate. Genetic, <laughs> yes. yeah, just poor genetics, exactly. Um, KC970, great mix of hilarious history and hilariousness, makes my thighs moist. I am a man. <laughs> Thank you, KC970. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a lovely message. <laughs> we'll uh, return your dick pics in the post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've given them a clean, yes. and we're currently testing the mysterious substance. <laughs> yes. Again, orange and flammable. What is it with our patrons? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Any more? Tony the Tiger. I imagine Tony the Tiger has orange flammable semen. Um, <laughs> just found this podcast and i love it the hosts have great chemistry and the concept of having two separate stories about the same subject is very fun thank you inca liz thanks inca liz very kind of you and then now ellie haney oh, you christ s- you've gone all out with this i know well i just had to catch up ellie haney she said, remember, if you guys give me a shout-out, I will do a victory lap at my local supermarket wearing only a placard reading Vitruvius is a boring shithead. We haven't heard from her, have we? No, we haven't, no. Uh, she's all big, got the big mouth, hasn't she? Got the big mouth when she's drunk at Christmas, but then when it yes. when it comes to it... All mouth and apparently out, still trousers. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen any victory laps. Come on, Ellie. No. Pull your finger out. <laughs> We've kept our side of the bargain. Uh, that's me done by the way Sam sorry I got there in the end marvellous <laughs> that's the first page of my notes thanks <laughs> thanks audience your feedback is much appreciated I think next week as a special treat for everyone because it's a big hundred we're going to make what we, we should eat some M&M's we should eat some M&M's we're also going to make the episode public oh so it would usually be a patron only episode but we're going to make it public oh boom so it better be a good one none of the usual shit the patrons get <laughs> right <laughs> I think they've had some of the strongest ones recently, actually. Ooh, someone's got, a, some... someone's got a marketing qualification. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a journalist, Tom, I deal in truth. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no, they have had, there's been some great patron ones recently. That's absolute crackers. <laughs> Real nipple wetters. Oh, indeed. Thigh moisteners. Um, well, Tom, it's the seas this week, so plain and simple. I've Flammable orange fluid producers. <laughs> God. I've got a horrific and amazing story of shipwreck and endurance in the Atlantic Ocean. Yay! Hey, we love a shipwreck. That's good, because I'm doing the Pacific. Hey! Very little danger <laughs> of crossover then. In fact, I've got two, Tom. I've got two stories of survival. Because I'm going to start with a very brief honourable mention for the sailing ship Eclipse, which got just about as unlucky as you can, and uh, turned out to be rather unfortunately named. Now, uh, I, I wish, Tom, I wish that I could have found more information on this because it would have been a cracking main story. Uh, but I can't find much information. I don't know who built the ship, who it was registered to. Uh, and there's Barry. Barry's just, yeah. Barry. <laughs> yeah. Registered Barry, built by Barry. Barry's, Barry's Boats Limited. Yes. <laughs> you bring me the boat, I'll build it. Barry's Boats no, and Barges. Yeah, Barry's Boats and Barges. <laughs> Barry's Big Boats and Barges. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Burly Barry's big boats and barges. <laughs> Burly bastard Barry and his <laughs> big bastard boats and barges. So yes, I I couldn't find any freely available information on this ship online. All we've got and is you're too stingy to buy it. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to sign up to a, nauti- a register of historic ships. Um, all we've got is a couple of newspaper clippings, and this story comes largely from the 29th of April 1908 edition of the Marlborough Express from New Zealand. 
So Good. what I can tell you from this article, Tom, is that Eclipse weighed 1,500 tonnes, which is pretty big by sailing ship standards. It was a uh, it was a sailing ship, so one of probably the last, last ones in 1908. Uh, and sometime in early 1908, Eclipse was sailing from Newcastle to San Francisco, which is a bloody long way, whichever way you look at it. It is. Uh, 85... Is that, is that Newcastle, UK, or yes. is that Newcastle, Australia? Newcastle, yeah, okay. UK, I think. Uh, so 85 days into the trip, as I've already hinted at, the ship was caught in a hurricane which battered and nearly sank it, and it was limping along after the storm. Her crew of 15 sailors under a guy called Captain Lesson were already exhausted from trying to keep the ship afloat when just about the most unfortunate thing possible happened, Tom. Eclipse, somewhat unfortunately named, was hit by a meteor. <laughs> wow! The only known time in history this has happened. A massive fiery rock plunged from the sky and hit the top mast, which exploded before punching a hole right through the deck, through the floors below, through the cargo hold and out through the bottom of the ship. <laughs> Wow! The crew spent four days trying to pump water out of the slowly sinking vessel before having to abandon Eclipse and start rowing the 900 miles to the Sandwich Islands, which was the nearest land point. On the plus side, food's available there. Uh, yes, yeah, now, now, now <laughs> known, as the, known as the Subway Islands now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's only a foot long though, Tom. <laughs> not, hey. not many people living there. <laughs> so for 15 days the crew were crammed into two small lifeboats with one small cup of water and two biscuits each as a ration on day 13th Ooh. what would you go for sam water or biscuit water or biscuit yeah what would you go for in that situation i would have uh two nice biscuits a day two nice biscuits a day yeah. i would probably go for bourbon yeah but does a bourbon count as two biscuits stuck together because then probably no 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 one bourbon oh, is then two you're a genius. so that's why it's a clever thing yeah, yeah you actually exactly. get four biscuits yeah very good. Oh, you, I see you thought about this, Tom. <laughs> as every man should. As every man should, I'm yeah. ready. When the, when the bombs go off, I'm, I know which biscuits I'm getting from the supermarket. Yeah, well, my ship gets hit by a meteor. <laughs> so, uh, that is nuts that it got hit by I a know, meteor. Isn't it just? So on day 13, three of the men died and were thrown overboard where they were immediately ripped apart by circling sharks. Just two days wow. later, the crew were washed up on an unnamed Hawaiian island where they were found by locals and carried to Honolulu in safety. Bear in mind, Tom, they made it to Hawaii. That's 4,000 miles off course. <laughs> wow. In 15 days. Was, in 15 days. So they were just on the currents? Yeah. Blown. Well, they were, they were rowing, but they were clearly on a very, very, <laughs> very strong current. <laughs> rowing, row, rowing on biscuit crumbs and a sip of water yeah. a day. So they must have either started was... off in completely the wrong place <laughs> or just it rowed incredibly hard very far off course because 4,000 miles is a very long way. Uh, mind you, it's not entirely impossible that the newspaper got that bit, got the distances wrong. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, no, you're wrong. It was Newcastle to Sunderland. No, it <laughs> yeah. wasn't San Francisco, Sunderland. So that's just my... So the eclipse is just my honourable mention, Tom. Uh, because today I'm telling the story of Poon Lim, a Chinese sailor in the British Merchant Navy in World War II. Mm. Turns out that Chinese sailors are, are kind of an unsung heroes, one of many, many, many sets of unsung heroes in World War II. Over 5,000 served on British merchant ships, uh, partly because most British civilian sailors were drafted into the fighty navy rather than the carrying shit navy, uh, and partly because Chinese people were cheap. <laughs> uh, Lynn worked as a steward, basically a kitchen assistant, on board the SS Ben Lomond, which uh, obviously was a British merchant ship, and on November 23rd, 1942, the ship was sailing slowly up the coast of Brazil, around 250-ish miles from the shore. It sailed from Cape Town in South Africa to uh, Suriname in northern South America. Interestingly, I never actually knew where Suriname was until I'd researched the story. I would have known Suriname, the name, I but I wouldn't have known yeah. where to point on a map. Suriname. I don't know it's where it is the north coast of South America. Well, would you believe that? Yeah, there you go. Facts. So the ship was armed, but uh, it wasn't in a convoy and so was highly, highly vulnerable. And at around 1400 hours, that's 2pm to us CV types, uh, she was spotted and torpedoed by a German U-boat, flooding her engine compartment. Flooding her engine compartment? Sounds very much like a euphemism. <laughs> yes. I flooded her engine compartments, mate. Woof. Hey, woof. Know what I'm saying? Hey. No, Whoa. I don't. <laughs> so Lim grabbed a life vest and jumped overboard. Just six other men of the 54-strong crew managed to make it off the ship before the boilers were swamped and exploded just two minutes after the torpedo struck. I bet they did. Uh, incidentally, her uh, boilers hey. were swamped. Woof. Hey. <laughs> she exploded, I tell you. I said, woof. <laughs> I put my torpedo right in her engine compartment. 
Man overboard everywhere they were. <laughs> oh, see, see, see me everywhere over the shop. <laughs> Salty semen everywhere. <laughs> it was just wet, 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 and then top, and oh, oh, she went down quickly. <laughs> and, and then she felt it in her fingers and her toes. Oh dear! Was, you see what I did there? <laughs> Sailors all around me. <laughs> As the Ben Lomond blows. <laughs> Took just one torpedo in her engine room. <laughs> the Germans went bye-bye and the ship went boom. Just six survivors, of which Lim was one. And he's the only one who made it home. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> nice work. Thanks. I just like to sit back now when I set up a song and just let you yeah, do it. Yeah, well, that's, that's my bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'll only fuck it up. <laughs> you forget, forget the, forget the, no, the notes, the music, any semblance to the original song within about three lines. I don't even know what a note is, Sam. I don't even know what a note is. <laughs> I did shows. <laughs> so six men managed to find life vests, and only Lim managed to find a life raft after spending two oh, hours in the water. Now? Yeah, uh. <laughs> and absolutely not kicking all the others off. hear <laughs> 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 the sound of drowning Irishmen. <laughs> Why the hell did we come down here? Right by the frickin' engine room. <laughs> Beautifully sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well. Let bygones be bygones. Will you have a watery death? <laughs> ah, go on. You will, won't you? You will. But we cheerful little Irishmen. All we like to do, even when we're drowning, is play diddly-dee music. <laughs> diddly-diddly-diddly-dee, diddly-diddly-dee. Are we the Irish? <laughs> the Americans love us. Diddly 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 diddly. Hang on, who's that one walking on the water over there? Ah, that's just Michael Floatley. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> have you ever, honestly, have you ever watched Michael Flatley? I don't uh, know whether I've mentioned this before. You on have. The podcast. You went on a fifteen-minute rant about it, about He's thirty shite. seconds of which made the cut. <laughs> I I looked at a while back. I looked at some YouTube videos of Michael Flatley just to see how goddamn good he was. And I was like, this guy is shit. <laughs> just... Michael Flatley, that's brilliant. Thanks. Genius. <laughs> so, um, so after two hours in the water, uh, Lim managed to find a life raft rather than just have a life vest. And, uh, and quickly bobbed away, never seeing any of the other survivors again. Now, <laughs> this life raft was not a life boat, Tom. It's kind of, it's clearly it's levels of survival at sea. You've got a life vest, then you've got a life raft, then you've got a life boat, then you've just got a boat, then you've got being on land. Original boat. <laughs> <laughs> then you have a bridge. Yes. So this was not a lifeboat, Tom. It was just a raft. There's a photo of it online, and what he managed to get onto is basically just a floating picnic table. It looks like a picnic table, about four feet by four feet. Not a place to sit in comfort. And Lim couldn't swim. So he lived in constant terror of falling in uh, and ended up tying himself to the raft with ropes. So he couldn't actually move. Oh, God, I've seen it. Yeah. You, yeah, see, you wow. know what I mean? It's like a picnic table. That is very peculiar, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know how I managed to get the selfie. but <laughs> <they're> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, you. <laughs> Kill a whale. <laughs> well, actually, no, as we'll find out, there, there were plenty of opportunities for people to take photos of him. The poor bastards. <laughs> Those bloody Asians are very good at taking selfies, aren't they? They're very industrious, aren't they? <laughs> industrious Can I get any more stereotypes? <laughs> Can I come up with any more slightly offensive stereotypes? I don't know. <laughs> it's early in the episode. So it wasn't a bad raft, this, for a short trip. It was equipped with 40 litres of water. It had some biscuits, some chocolate, some sugar, a set of flares what and a torch. What is it with the fucking biscuits? <laughs> What is it with biscuits on shipwreck? Why, why do people think that a biscuit is exactly what because you're going to want? Biscuits are biscuits are what people eat they at just sea. Eat biscuits back in the day. <laughs> this had multiple selection water packs biscuits. of biscuits. <laughs> water biscuits. Arse <laughs> biscuits. Sea biscuits. <laughs> Whoever filled this life raft, I think, may have been stoned. <laughs> biscuits, chocolate, <laughs> sugar, flares, and a torch. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a great night. <laughs> I am not fucking high as a kite. 
Remember your Red Hot Chili Peppers album. <laughs> but despite being only 250 miles north of the nearest land, the currents carried Lim in the wrong direction, due west, which is a far, far, far longer journey. Well, at least he had some raisins on the boat as well. Uh, yes, he did. Yes, he had some currents. Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Tiny little raisins pulling the, pulling the boat along. Yes. Oh, you're coming this way. Fly, my pretties, fly. It was, yes, he was very difficult to tie them to the raft. He had to use individual strands of his own hair. And they sailed through the sea like dolphins pulling his raft along. <laughs> Jumping majestically Shrilly out of the water, these little, ra- little tiny little shriveled raisin dolphins. <laughs> Millions of the little bastards. <laughs> so uh, Lim, of course, didn't realise which direction he was going in and, and thought he was relatively close to land and would soon be washed ashore. So the water and food very quickly vanished as the expected quick rescue didn't materialise. So Lim ended up taking oh, the torch. Oh, fucking brilliant. I've survived. I've got a boat full of biscuits. <laughs> yeah. No one else has joined me. <laughs> I've just it's a got... a nice day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm on my own. Yeah, if you've ever met a fisherman, this is exactly... This is the dream. <laughs> I am just going to scoff these biscuits. <laughs> yeah. Now sit here and watch the world go by. As the plane will come over in a few hours, and I'm going to be happy as Larry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, we'll come back to that. <laughs> So uh, when the expected quick rescue didn't materialise, Lim took the torch apart and used the wires as fish hooks. When he caught the fish, he got them with a knife made from an old biscuit tin lid. And when the water ran out, he collected rainwater in his coat. Nothing so unusual there. When that ran out, when it, when it stopped raining, he drank the blood of birds and fish to survive. At one nice. point, he got so desperate for food and, and water that he caught a shark... It tried to attack him on his tiny raft and drag him back into the sea, and he ended up having to literally wrestle the shark on his tiny picnic table in the ocean. Fuck. <laughs> Bludgeoning it to death with a biscuit tin. The only... The, wow. I'm just amazed this guy is an Australian, because that is the most Australian-sounding thing I've ever heard. It is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, mate, sorry, a bit late for the bar, but he was wrestling a shark on a life raft. <laughs> yeah. I carved Steve Irwin's name into it with his own fins. <laughs> Send a message to that fucking array. <laughs> Little known fact, Steve Irwin had fins. He also had gills. <laughs> Why, he was so good with the animals. And a, clo- empathize. <laughs> and a cloaca, which is a medical miracle. <laughs> Tiny little pouch to yes. keep the joeys in. A strange fellow, that Steve Irwin. <laughs> yeah. A pouch, fins, gills, and a multifunctioned <laughs> orifice serving both as a vagina, urethra, and anus. Or Kylie Minogue, as she's more commonly known. <laughs> uh, in fact, I think, Tom, you'll find that's Jason Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, he, he ended up wrestling a shark and bludgeoning it to death with, with a tin on his <laughs> tiny little boat in the ocean. So far, so normal, though, Tom. So far, so normal. A hundred shipwreck stories just like it. But here's the thing. Lim could have been rescued on an almost comically large number of occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Several freighters passed very close by but refused to rescue him. Possi- possibly thinking... Well, they possibly, Tom, thought that he was Japanese and therefore too dangerous to have uh, on board because he'd get up in, get up in the night and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> or, well, you could always lock the door. <laughs> or tie him up. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't think of that. Oh. <laughs> it also wasn't unknown on other occasions for U-boats to set a prisoner of war who they captured from a sunken ship out on a raft and leave them as, leave them as baits to entice right? passing ships to stop. Yeah, I mean, it's rumoured. I can't find any official record of this. I did look it up. But it was a widely believed rumour at the time that U-boats would send out a prisoner of war in a raft to encourage passing ships to stop or, you know, the destroyer escort of a convoy would come out and, and rescue this person, leaving them... Basically, open to attack. Yes, they fell for it again. They <laughs> fell for it again, the silly Englishmen. I cannot believe their good manners has cost them so much. Look, they keep on coming over. Why do they keep on coming over? We're just blowing this one up as well. Yes. But does they not notice one. that the ships keep exploding? <laughs> what do they think is every happening? time, there are more <laughs> people to rescue. Yes. Do they it's excellent. That, <laughs> yes. Do they think there is a Japanese sailor on that ship? And that is why the others keep blowing up? <laughs> because of his just incredible strength, his one-inch punch? <laughs> yeah. The fact that he's able to sink a ship with his fists? <laughs> why does it come? 
uh, as well as several freighters passing very close by to him, Lim was also spotted by a number of patrol aircraft, particularly uh, there were a, a few American patrols passed overhead and, and saw him, who alerted authorities and dropped radio warning boys to help get him rescued. But on every single occasion when they <laughs> dropped a flare, <laughs> dropped a boy, he drifted too far away from them and the rescuing ships missed him. <laughs> For the record, that's boy spelt B-O-U-Y. Yes, they weren't just dropping uh, Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get my maritime rescue badge! <laughs> I also really should have tried to get my parachute badge. And my swimming badge. Ah, I knew I should have got that first. <laughs> Splash. Oh, oh no, I don't have my shark wrestling badge. <laughs> I didn't actually mean to jump out of the plane, but I haven't qualified for my plane door closing badge. <laughs> anyway, I promise to do my best. <laughs> yes. Well, a fat lot of good that's going to do me. <laughs> <laughs> Said Lim as another Boy Scout plummeted from the sky, <laughs> Blow, blowing the masts off a passing sailing ship and sinking it. <laughs> it wasn't actually a meteor, it was just a Boy Scout at terminal velocity. <laughs> Boom, episode Colin. title. <laughs> oh dear, it was Colin the Boy Scout. <laughs> so he was ignored by freighters, he was ignored by American planes, uh, or lost by American planes, and then, Tom, he actually sailed straight past a German U-boat, which was surfaced and playing target practice on a flock of seagulls. But the Germans <laughs> just ignored him and let him sail on by. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Good Very tag. nice to meet you. Are you, where are you from? Are you from Japan? Oh, we do not know that you need us. You will be getting up in the middle of the night and doing all lots of horrible things. Stay away. <laughs> We've heard rumours about you. <laughs> Oh, no, but actually, Tom, you may well remember that the Japanese were on the German side. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> they have a bad reputation. We think you're all the psychopaths. <laughs> Says I as a German U-boat captain. <laughs> Who is shooting seagulls? Heinz, quickly, quickly, surface. <laughs> I can see I'm cannot miss this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> we must get the big gun. <laughs> the really fucking big one. Yes, <laughs> Gunther, what kind of useful training exercise is this? Well, Heinz, you never know when the British may have trained a flock of seagulls <laughs> to come and maraud us and steal our, steal our fritz. <laughs> I also got the image of them just kind of whistling and turning away as he sailed past, going, Excuse me. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Maybe some biscuits. Are those raisins? Yes. <laughs> oh, I hate raisins. <laughs> Especially vet ones. <laughs> yeah, actually, after the, after so long at sea, they just turned back into grapes. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, on the 5th of April 1943, after 133 days at sea... Good effort. He drifted towards the shores of Brazil and was spotted and rescued by three fishermen. To this day, Tom, it's the longest anyone has ever survived at sea on a raft. Or so they say. Or so they say. Nobody believes my story. <laughs> Amazing. He actually he'd done pretty well. He'd only lost... I say he'd only lost. He'd lost nine kilograms, which is Not actually... Pre- yeah, it's pretty good going, actually, for 133 days at sea. Uh, I lost nine kilograms in India. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> After one meal. After eating street food, yeah. <laughs> so he lost nine kilograms, which is actually pretty good going. And was amazingly able to walk, despite not having taken a step in over four months. He was kept in hospital for a month before being sent back to the UK via Miami and New York, which I imagine was a great sightseeing holiday because uh, obviously a cruise was exactly what he was after at that point. <laughs> yeah. When he made it back to Britain, King George VI gave him the Empire Medal for his bravery, whilst the Royal Navy actually used his experiences to rewrite the field manual for survival at sea. So a lot of what he did is now, and I think is still today, in the field manual for survival at if sea in the Royal Navy. you can find a shark... Pull him on board and just give him a good headlock. Yes. Squeeze Have you tried twatting him with a biscuit tin? Vicky's <laughs> <laughs> tend to do the job. We've done some yes. tests. <laughs> Don't bother with digestives. They come in a plastic wrapper. <laughs> They'll just crumble. They crumble yes. very easily. <laughs> so, um, following the war, he emigrated to the US, where despite there being a quota on Chinese migrants, he was given special dispensation because of his fame. And he eventually died in New York in 1991. So wow. there you go, Tom Poon Lim, and the longest ever survival at sea of a man on a raft who could have been rescued uh, at probably about 10 days in, 15 days in, 20 days in, <laughs> 30 days in. I'm having a great time on wrestling sharks. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he didn't want to be rescued by. at all. <laughs> I'm not surprised that both of us went down this route, Sam. It's an easy route to go down. It's an easy route to go, but mine is actually connected to a whale. Oh. In fact, in fact, I later found out that the story I'm about to regale was the inspiration for Herman Melville's famous book, Moby Dick. Oh. Not to be confused with Moby's Dick, which is oh. the penis of a 90s electronica artist who doesn't like steak. Yes, doesn't like steak. No, he's a famous, he's a vegan, isn't he? Oh, is he? Oh. He's, a, he's a vocal vegan, like they all are, really. <laughs> yes. None of them are particularly quiet about it. Uh, I didn't let this put me off, though. The book, by the way, not Moby's Dick, because it's a cracking story. <laughs> no, you just cracked right on with Moby's Dick, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Gonna come in my face. Oh, yeah. Gonna come in my face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gonna have a good time. I don't know why I'm doing this in, <laughs> in an Indian accent. I'm doing the Bollywood version of a, <laughs> of a, of a Moby track. Forget screwing the light bulb, you're screwing the 90s electronic pop artist. <laughs> That was dreadful. That's my worst ever. That's probably my best ever Indian accent. By it, was, it was more convincing than the usual Welsh that I have to <laughs> <Yeah>. edit out <laughs> when you're when you're trying to be racist. I'm not trying to be. You just have double standards, Sam. You're quite happy for us to do German accents, but apparently an Indian accent is racist. Um, <laughs> so even if you know the story, you'll enjoy listening to it. It is a good story. I don't know the story, but I'm thoroughly looking forward it's, to it. It's very very good. It's good general knowledge. I'm working primarily from one first-hand account of the events soon to be described. And before you get excited, it's not an account from the whale. I couldn't find an English oh. transla- translation of this. I couldn't find an English translation <laughs> from the original whale. That reminds me of my favourite joke, my favourite joke in the world. Go for it. A priest, a rabbi and a blue whale walk into a bar, Tom. And the priest uh, goes up to the barman first. Ah, my son, I would like a large glass of your finest communion wine, please. And the uh, barman pours him a large glass and he takes a sip and says, Ah, bless you, my son, that's good wine. Rabbi takes his turn, goes up. Ah, shalom. Uh, I would like a, a large glass of your finest Kiddush wine, please. And the barman says, uh, there you go, Rabbi. And he takes a sip and he says, ah, hey, that's good wine. And he goes and sits down. And the blue whale walks up to the bar and says to the barman, <laughs> Favourite joke. <laughs> I think you've told it before because I kind of knew where it was going. <laughs> I knew it was just going to be stupid. Um, <laughs> anyway, my rather snappily titled book is <clears throat> Narrative Snapple. of the Most Extraordinary. Now there's a good juice. Snapper. That was genius. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, narrative of the Most Extraordinary and Distressing Shipwreck of the Whale Ship Essex of Nantucket, which was attacked and finally destroyed by a large spermaceti whale in the Pacific Ocean with an account of the unparalleled sufferings of the captain and crew during a space of 93 days at sea in Ooh. open boats in the years 1819 and 1820 by Owen Chase of Nantucket, first mate of said vessel. Ah. Can we narrow it down a bit, Owen? I mean, I think it's a bit of a long title. Can we just... Yes. Uh... Can we sub that? Can we put in some punctuation? <laughs> this looks like it was written by a lawyer. <laughs> Why does it have to be in capitals as well? It just looks like All you're shouting. Capitals. It's because I always shout. <laughs> I am shouting. 93 days at sea. I've shouted ever since. <laughs> the other survivors were entirely deaf. <laughs> pensioners. That's why <laughs> a group of pensioners. I can't begin to describe how bad it is <laughs> to be shipwrecked with a load of pensioners. Yes, just bingo. Never-ending bingo. On the plus side, the biscuits were really appreciated. Yes. Anyway, it was written in 1821, so a very quick turnaround there. 1820, uh, the events happened. A year later, he was publishing this. And thank you again, Project Gutenberg. You are truly a delight. Um, This is one of... um, There was one other account of the events from one other survivor, but I couldn't find this one, and it was written over half a century later, so I decided to stick with Owen Chase for this one. It's worth drawing your attention to the word spermaceti. And, um, uh, yes. I agree with you. It's a disgusting <laughs> That's a wank, word. a wank on a sofa. <laughs> I thought it sounded a little bit like sperm and spaghetti mixed together. Oh. <laughs> Not something. A, a wank in an Italian restaurant, then, <laughs> as you like. <laughs> a bolog wank. A, a bolognese this... trembler. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the kind of humour the audience are here for. <laughs> this is the name of the waxy substance found in the head of, don't make the obvious joke, sperm whales. It's the main reason <laughs> oh. sperm whales are, were hunted. I don't know if they still are. Uh, possibly are. Depends whether you're Japanese or not. And um, it was used for candles, cosmetics, as a lubricant, lots of things. So that's why the sperm whales were hunted. Without further ado, let's uh, let's hear from Owen Chase. So our story starts in Nantucket, an island off the coast of Massachusetts. Uh, Chase tells us that there are 8,000 people living here, and around 1820, 1,600 of them were involved in whaling. So it's a big whaling community. It was a big whaling community back then. Endless screaming. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Cheer up, you sad sacks. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> low, low joke. No, it was a good one. And Chase was first mate aboard a ship called the Essex, captained by George Pollard. On the 12th of <laughs> August, 1819, it left port, expecting to be away for around two and a half years whaling. One of the men deserted very early on, so we're basically talking about a crew of 20 people. Um, they immediately encountered some bad weather. Ship was damaged. They repair it as best they can. More importantly, two of the smaller whaling boats were lost, and after 18 days, they reached the Azores, but for people who don't know, it's in the um, Atlantic, closer to Portugal than the US. But only just. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty far out it's in the Atlantic. It's a long way out, yeah. Yeah. They stock up and carry on. 16 days later, they reach the Cape Verde Islands off the coast of northwest Africa. Here they pick up a whaling boat that had run aground a little while before by some other whalers. And they think that's good enough. We'll take that with us. By the 18th of December, so over two months into the journey, they reach Cape Horn. Uh, the southern point of South America. They round it and head into the Pacific. On the 17th of January, they reach St. Mary's, which is an island off the coast of, of Chile. Anyway, they gather information about where the best whaling is, and then they head off for the Galapagos Islands. Yay! Quote, We came to anchor and laid seven days off Hood's Island, one of the group, during which time we stopped a leak, which we had discovered, and obtained 300 turtle. We then visited Charles Island, where we procured 60 more. These turtle are most delicious food, and in av- an average in weight, generally about 100 pounds, but many of them weigh upwards of 800. With these, ships usually supply themselves for a great length of time and make a great saving of other provisions. They neither eat or drink, nor is it the least pains taking with them. They are strewed over the deck, thrown underfoot, or packed away in the hold, as it suits convenience. They will live upwards of a year without food or water, but soon die in a cold climate. I bet the turtles were pleased they arrived. <laughs> we're having a lovely time uh, you know just sort of splashing around every being, now and again just being up turtles the <laughs> occasionally occasionally getting filmed by David Attenborough the dirty pervert <laughs> but yeah it was generally turtly behaviour you're right and um, and then they come along it was turtly the... brilliant yay and uh, then they come along and we're just shoved in a boat not even we doing don't anything need... to eat or drink we don't even need a boat with turtles. I know. No, we could have <laughs> swum along beside. We could have even given them a tow. Yeah, tie us up next to the raisins. <laughs> give you, <laughs> give you a hand. Anyway, uh, on the sixteenth of November, the whalers find some whales and have a near miss. Chase goes on to say that this is perfectly normal. Happens all the time. Here's an interesting fact for you: the phrase "there she blows." I never knew this. You may think oh, that's obvious. It's actually a whaling term. So it's what you say oh. when you see the spray of a whale. Oh well, a yes, blowhole. I suppose yeah. so. Yes, as it sounds very to, obvious. Yeah. Yes, when you when you think about it. Yeah. Those two just pointing at a pointing at a prostitute, giving someone a blow, <laughs> giving <laughs> someone oral sex behind a nightclub. <laughs> Yar. Ar. There, there she blows. There. <laughs> there she blows. <laughs> she smells like she's been drinking her piss for quite a while now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Aye, and she's got the scurvy. You can see. <laughs> yes. And I don't know who that is she's sucking off. But I can tell that he's definitely not the first mate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the first semen she's had. Well, yes, that's the same joke, but with a different knot in the How are we going to... How many more times can we make semen jokes this episode? It's an episode on the sea, Tom. Sometimes Plenty. you should let these things happen. <laughs> yeah. On the 20th of November, we get the instant we've all been waiting for. More whales are spotted and things don't start well. Chase is in, a, in charge of one of the whaling boats. I think I mentioned they had three at this point. He harpoons a whale and the whale gets angry, like you would, and smashes the boat with its tail. The whale then starts swimming off Oof. at great speed. 
So Chase has to cut the harpoon free to avoid being dragged away. Now, they get back to the ship in their damaged boat safely and attempt to fix the boat that was hit. Then they meet a whale who didn't want to be messed with. Quote, Before he came down upon us with full speed and struck the ship with his head, just forward of the forechains, he gave us such an appalling and tremendous jar as nearly threw us all on our faces. They met a hard nut whale. This whale <laughs> just nutted the boat. Average! Danny Dyer the ship made Danny Dyer the whale. Guess what this whale's called? Hey, guess what da- it's called? Guess what Danny, it's called? I don't know. Danny Driver? No. Danny, no. Ross Kelp. <laughs> Ross Kelp, hey! God, I've got some shitty one-liners today. <laughs> um, Ray Winstone. <laughs> hey! Ray, they, they swim in the sea. Hey, here we are. Oh, here we are. Oh, hey. Anyway, so they meet the Ardnut Nail. The boat starts to sink and Chase is convinced at this point that it's going down. Nonetheless, it wasn't sinking too fast and so he gets pumps going and starts shifting stuff from the hull of the ship onto the, the whale boat. Um, the whale gets stunned and starts acting a bit odd. Eventually, it regains its thoughts and decides, fucking hell, we're having another go. Are you still there, are you, mate? <laughs> I'm going to fucking nut you again then. Um, quote, coming down apparently with twice its ordinary speed... And to me, at that moment, it appeared with tenfold fury and vengeance in his aspect. The surf flew in all directions about him, and his course towards us was marked by a white foam of a rod in width, which he made with a continual violent thrashing of his tail. His head was about half out of water, and in that way he came upon and again struck the ship. Now they are really fucked. It's quite a vivid description, isn't it? Yeah. Especially if you are in the middle of nowhere, in the ocean. Yeah. Quote, we were more than a thousand miles from the nearest land with nothing just but jump, a light. Just jump on the whale. <laughs> That's true. Just just harness, the harness the power of the whale. Indeed. Consider the whale. Be the whale. Be at one with the whale. Get that harpoon, shove it down its blowhole and ride that whale. <laughs> <laughs> now, if that's not a euphemism for... Shagging a fatty. I don't know what is. <laughs> shagging a shagging a fatty, yes. Oh, marvellous. Disgusting. Um, so the ship is gone. <laughs> well, not entirely, because they spent the next few days clambering around on the half-sunken ship trying to find anything to salvage. They save two quadrants, two practical navigators, the captain's trunk and Chase's trunk, all of which were just thrown into these boats. So they actually had some... I think they had some maps as well. So they had things to help them you know, go in the right direction. They find a few turtles... But they've already stuffed as many as possible in the boats. Most notably, they dismantled parts of the ships and managed to kit out the three boats with two masts each and sails. I That's have... very A-team. <laughs> not the A-team again. <laughs> no, we're not. We won't. No, we don't need to do the theme tune every time we mention a 90s TV show. But that is very A-team. It is A-team, and it's in the middle of the Pacific. To disassemble your boats to make two smaller boats. <laughs> While they're sinking. Yeah. Well, in fairness, I probably haven't qualified. I probably have missed out some information here. So they had three whaling boats on the whaling ship, and so right. the three boats would go out from the whaling. And they had ship. three whaling vests on the whaling boats. <laughs> and on <Got> how? It. <laughs> yeah. This is like a multi-level marketing whaling scam. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a massive like a question. pyramid scheme for whaling. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway. So, yeah, so they had the three boats. The three, three boats both came back when they saw that the ship was going under. But obviously these three boats aren't suitable for anything more than chasing after a whale, harpooning it, and then dragging it back to the boat. Clearly they were an absolute chocolate fire engine in this situation, weren't they? Well, I th- I, they were, yeah, I think at one you point... You had chased, one job. <laughs> and you do it very well, but fuck all else. Um, <laughs> well, they didn't do it very well because they didn't go kill the king whale, did they? Well, that's true. That's true, one of them started falling apart with a smash of one tail so they do so they create masts in these whaling boats and they create sails as well so they take apart the ones from the ship and put them on the boats and they also build up the sides of the boats to reduce the amount of salt water that gets in with the swells on november the 22nd the ship was slowly sinking and the men were well aware that it was now or never now or never they basically had to embark on the horrible journey uh, before they ran out of food and water. So they wanted to get going as soon as possible. So they decided to get moving. According to their maps, they weren't too far away from some French Polynesian islands, but they were fearful of savages and cannibals. Brackets, oh, the irony. Yes, the, the bloody French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Polynesians. It's, were the same, it's the same. It's the same reason I won't go to Calais, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the migrants and refugees are absolutely fine, but the bloody French, Jesus, <laughs> and the it's pig the, style the they smell, live in. Tom, the <laughs> squalor. <laughs> And the stuff they eat. And oh, Christ. God. <laughs> and they're all bloody militants, Tom. All of them, the bloody French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so after much deliberation, they decided to aim for something bigger. Rather than the French Polynesian islands, they went for South America. Difficult to miss if you're going roughly in the right direction. Yes. <laughs> Over the next few days, the men just tried their hardest to stick together. They were in three boats... Um, so they tried to keep together for morale reasons largely um, and they also tried to avoid sinking this involved a lot of bailing out water on the 25th one of the boats developed a serious leak so the other boats came alongside it and they somehow managed to tip the boat so that the bottom was accessible and then they nailed in some spare wood over the hole well, I can't help but feel you're then making two, you know, four holes out of one uh, <laughs> by nailing the bit of wood over anyway who am I to try and w- unravel the mysteries of Damn it, I'm not a sailor, Jim. I'm a doctor. <laughs> on November the 28th, a fish estimated to be about 12 feet long attacked one of the boats and made a hole. Very little boat left at this point. <laughs> I know. This is. I think this is probably quite common in the era. Well, possibly. To to to, to have constant unpleasant engagements with <laughs> with fish. With fish. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, because it seems I mean, to be happening all the time. I mean, it still happens now if you go to a cheap seafood restaurant, Tom. <laughs> On November, yeah, so it's 12 feet long. <laughs> and the men at the ship managed to beat it off after numerous attacks. Bet they did. <laughs> <laughs> that was all it really wanted was some love. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to stop interrupting. Carry on. <laughs> so another leak had to be fixed. Sarah, you, do, do you want to say anything there? Um, I've seen, I've, I've heard, I've read people um, postulating that that was a killer whale. Anyway, water now becomes an issue. They start to ration it, but also want more and more of it due to the fact that they chose to eat the bread that had become wet with salt water spray first before it spoiled. They were thinking, we've only got so much food. We're here for a while. Let's get rid of the stuff that's been sprayed with salt water before that goes off, and we'll keep the other stuff for later. Unfortunately, that that obviously makes them very very thirsty. November the 30th, here's a grisly description. At one o'clock, I proposed to our boat's crew... To, I don't know why Chase is a sort of 14-year-old private schoolboy. Um, Writing in his diary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At one o'clock, I proposed to our boat's crew to kill one of the turtle, two of which we had in our possession. I need... No, this is actually the quote. And the, and the uh, schoolmaster said, <laughs> yes... Oh, Sam, enough of the euphemisms. That wasn't even a euphemism. Strangling the turtle. Yes, I know where this is going. Oh, that's not what I said. <laughs> Tugging on the turtle's neck. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, right. We know I see. I've become, I've become the butt of the joke. OK, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm following that. Took me a second, I'm in the room. Anyway, I need not say that the proposition was hailed with the utmost enthusiasm. Hunger had set its ravenous gnawings upon our stomachs and we waited with impatience to suck the warm, flowing blood of the animal. A small fire was kindled in the shell of the turtle, and after dividing the blood, of which there was about a gill, among us, those of who felt disposed to drink it, we cooked the remainder, entrails and all, and enjoyed them from the unspeakably fine repast. And enjoyed from it an unspeakably fine repast. There you go. Marvellous. I love an unspeakably fine repast. On a giant turtle whose blood you've just drunk. Mmm. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to you other turtles and you raisins. Okay, just because you're small doesn't mean we're not going to eat you. Swim faster or we're going to eat you. By December the 10th... There's a threat. (laughs) Chase is going to sleep next to his chest full of their provisions with his gun loaded. So things are getting piratey. On the same day, uh, they catch some flying fish, eat them like Gollum, and also spot clams on the bottom of the boat. So they reach over and collect as many of them as they can gobble up. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the squit. I mean, can you imagine the squits? Oh, well, I, I can imagine them. After gobbling all those clams off the bottom of the boat. Crikey. Tom, 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 you live in Cambridge. Cambridge is full of full of punts. You haven't lived in Cambridge until you've, <laughs> until you've had a... The world is full <laughs> of punts, Sam. Until you, until you have a boaty special. <laughs> a boaty special? Yeah, you just flip over a punt and just stick whatever comes off the bottom on the barbecue. <laughs> 
30 seconds each side. I thought you were talking about having a shit. I thought you were taking shit off the if it's side. Stuck, of if it's stuck on the bottom of the punt, <laughs> it goes to the barbecue, Tom. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. Cam turd kebabs. On the 20th of December, they finally see land. The Ducey's Islands, which is a Pitcairn Island. It was actually the Henderson Island, for those of you who uh, who know your Pitcairn Islands inside out. Which I know is a lot of you. They got ashore. Yes, all. All of us. Um, they got ashore and commenced looking for water, and they ate anything they could find. Eventually, they found fresh water and had a whale of a time, for want of a better hey. phrase. Um, interestingly, they found a carving on a tree saying, The Elizabeth. Um, this was from the year before. The island was only discovered a few months before they arrived by a ship called the Elizabeth, although technically Spaniards and Portuguese knew about it as early as the 17th century, this island. And... Interestingly, skeletons were found in a cave by the Spaniards and the Portuguese. And so those the people in the cave, it's been suggested, were Polynesians, I think. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. Hundreds of years before that, a family. Anyway, 27th of December, they decided to carry on, all bar three men who could just couldn't face it anymore. They stayed behind. 10th of January, the first man dies. He was sewn up in his clothes and thrown overboard tied to a stone, which was apparently custom in this sort of... That's what, that's what they did out at sea. It is indeed. And the next day, Chase's boat separates from the other two in a storm, I think, or during the night. I can't remember quite which one. In the coming days, they're attacked by a big shark. Just what you want when you're fucking starving and you're in the middle of nowhere. January the 20th, one of the black crew members dies and is thrown overboard. Now, the reason I mentioned that he was a black crew member is I feel that there was maybe a little bit of racism in what's about to come. Around the, what? Around January the 28th, and this isn't recorded in the journal, but it's worth noting, the two other boats become separated. So now all three boats are separate. January the 30th, things start to get dark, and I think you all saw this coming. Someone dies. We kept his corpse all night, and in the morning my two companions began, as of course, to make preparations to dispose of it in the sea. When, after reflecting on the subject all night, I addressed them on the painful subject of keeping the body for food. Our provisions could not possibly last us beyond three days, and we set to work as fast as we were able to prepare it, so as to prevent it spoiling. We separated his limbs from his body and cut all the flesh from the bones, after which we opened the body, took mm. out the heart, and then closed it oh. again, sewed it up as oh. decently as we could, and committed it to the sea. We now first commenced to satisfy the immediate cravings of nature from the heart, which we eagerly devoured. <laughs> the immediate cravings of nature. We fucked the heart. <laughs> <laughs> We fucked We his took corpse. it in turns, two at a time, one in each ventricle. <laughs> we, be- <laughs> we bent the corpse over the side of the boat and bugged it before pushing it out to sea. <laughs> Waste not, want not. No. <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. And then... <laughs> uh, where was I in my quote? Um, and then eating sparingly for a few pieces of the flesh after which we hung up the remainder, cut in thin strips about the boat to dry in the sun. We made a fire and roasted some of it to serve us during the next day. Wow, they are really making a feast of this corpse. And I'd like to, I'd like to think that they've been so fastidious with it because they're respecting the dead and they want to make the most of his great sacrifice. However, it just sounds like... <laughs> they wanted beef jerky. They wanted beef jerky. I, I think I wonder whether this is one of the most detailed descriptions of cannibalism, um, yes. first-hand descriptions Gross. of cannibalism. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you'd have th- I would have thought that this chase chap, when writing this book, would have probably just tried to gloss over the fact that they'd eat, eat, he'd eaten another human being. You know, we did what <laughs> we had to do. That's all I need to say about it. But no, <laughs> one, one by piece one. we just tried salting. One piece we had a little cumin. <laughs> <laughs> one by one, I say. bit off his toes. Hum, very tasty. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> then I nibbled up from the ankle like a corn on the cob, right up to the knee. <laughs> <laughs> and then to his knob. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> February the 15th. Chase's boat is spotted by a whaling ship and they are finally saved. So on this ship, only one person was eaten and that's after this person died of natural causes. So it's the 30th they started eating his corpse. So over two weeks later, uh, they got rescued. So it really was a very unpleasant, long survival story. One of the other boats was eventually picked up by a whaling ship uh, with all the men on the brink of starvation. Here's a quote from Chase. 
On the 25th, the black man, Lawson Thomas, died and was eaten by his surviving companions. On the 21st, the captain and his crew were in the like dreadful situation with respect to their provisions, and on the 23rd, another coloured man, Charles Shorter, died out of the same boat, and his body was shared for food between the crew of both boats. On the 27th, another Isaac Shepherd, a black man... <laughs> shared between the boats, just chucking hands and feet and bits <laughs> over. Catch! Catch! I can have a bit of eyeball. Swap me some calf for a shoulder. <laughs> have you got a ketchup over there? You don't mind passing me the ketchup? <laughs> To be honest, mate, we've got we've got a whole boat full of fish. It's kind of what we're good at. <laughs> nope, nope. Fancy some red meat today. <laughs> More iron content. Yes. <laughs> um, on the twenty seventh, another Isaac Shepherd, a black man, died in the third boat, and on the twenty eighth, another black man, Samuel Reed, died out of the captain's boat. Um, sorry, I think there's a bit of confusion. Um, the two boats did separate these other two boats, uh, but this was before they separated. I think when they were actually sharing the bodies of. Of people. But it was just a difficult marriage. <laughs> Before the cannibalism drove them apart. <laughs> yeah, so you may have noticed that um, they seem to eat lots of black men. There were only six on the ship. And si- <laughs> and of, of those six, four were eaten. One died before the cannibalism began, and the other one oh. was lost at sea. Um <laughs> Mm. Anyway, uh, so once they'd <laughs> yes. eaten all the black men, they, they drew lots for who was <laughs> next. And they also drew lots for who was going to be the executioner. Another man was duly oh, eaten, wow. then another died, so they were eaten. The man who just pulled the short straw, I think, was the nephew of the captain, and the captain was sworn to look after this nephew. And so the captain offered to be eaten in his stead, uh, but the young man, he was only about 17, said, No, no, such is life, I will be eaten. Or so the story goes. Yes, <laughs> No one will ever know the truth, although I suspect it was a little bit more cutthroat. I certainly, in that position, wouldn't have been saying, oh, yes, eat me up, I've lost, eat me up. No, I would have been bonking someone else over the head. Yes. <laughs> I would have been very much, very much for the drawing of lots at the start. I would have been very opposed to it when, you... <laughs> when I was the one that was going to be eaten. Yes. <laughs> That's how it would have gone down. Had someone else drawn uh, the short straw, I would have been, well, you know, if I were you, I would have just accepted the fate and would have just, I, I'm just gonna, I would have lied down and just get eaten. <laughs> anyway, in the end, five of the 20 men survived the boat journey. The three men left on the island were later rescued, leaving 12 men who died. That includes the three men in the third boat that got lost. And a boat was apparently discovered a long time later, washed up on Pitcairn Island with three skeletons in it. Very piratey. That's very piratey. All in all, I think I calculated that seven people were eaten. It was quite the feast. It was. Uh, So... Lucky for some. (laughs) Seven, a very unlucky number for others. (laughs) Seven people, very unlucky. The whale ship Essex sank on 20th of November, just to revisit that fact. Chase's boat was rescued on February the 15th. And the other boat was rescued on the 23rd of February. That's a long time out at sea eating each other. It is. And I always think <laughs> with these stories, I've talked about cannibalism before. It's <laughs> a great line, isn't it? That's a long time out at sea eating each other. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken about an Australian convict, haven't I, who um, had to resort to cannibalism when lost in the outback. And in, mm. in that situation as well, when I was reading some of the sources, I couldn't help but feel that the cannibalism could have been avoided. They kind of went quite early for the cannibalism, <laughs> you feel. They, they really did jump on it, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it seems to be more out of boredom than necessity. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, we appear to have found ourselves trapped. <laughs> we shall have to bonk and then eat each other. <laughs> really? Bonk, bonk? Yes, yeah. yes. Nature demands it. <laughs> And then eat. Nature demands. You don't want to piss off nature now, do you? Well, we already have, haven't we? That's why <laughs> the bloody situation in the first place. Yes, they do. Cannibalism does seem to be kind of the, the default go-to for bored white men in a situation of mild peril. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time at caravan parks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, Penrith is the ca- cannibal capital of the world. <laughs> And that's it. So that's the story of the whale ship Essex that inspired uh, Moby Dick. It's a good story, Tom. Yeah, I know. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's got a shipwreck. 
It's got suffering and it's got cannibalism. What more could you want? I did well. Uh, a musical number. Go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I ate a man on the twenty fifth. <laughs> I started by nibbling his fingers, and then I worked my way to the wrist, and then I swallowed his sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> It was an attempt to rhyme. <laughs> it's a half rhyme. Better than I usually yes. do. I had a man I've no regrets Because he was quite the minger <laughs> I'm cast away for six hours now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I jumped aboard this rather quickly <laughs> I'm very bored of the biscuits <laughs> It turns out pancreas is sickly. <laughs> and so with that, we come careening, careering headlong into very close to episode 100, which will be next week. And it's all about the number 100. Nice. Uh, do leave us your comments on your podcasting app of choice if it accepts comments, or you can find us. Uh, that was Genius, a funny history podcast group on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter. Search for That Was Genius. We don't uh, use them. Only history podcasts. We don't use them, but we will we'll find your messages there. Sam and I hate social media, but we do like hearing from you. Yes, which leaves us in a tricky situation. Uh, you can also email us, thatwasgeniuscast at gmail.com. You'll also find a contact us little uh, boxy thing on the website, thatwasgeniuspodcast.com. Tune in next week for the big 100. Whoop. 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 Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Tom. And, uh, and say and say whoop again. Whoop again. <laughs> Same joke twice. <laughs> Marvellous. Same shit joke twice. <laughs> First Same time I didn't joke. even do it deliberately. Same shit joke for 100 episodes, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>